0: Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer and welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And I'm really excited because it's kind of like going back um, to 2008 when I was running for secretary of state and I had to brush up on all my information on what was going on. And redistricting was one of the things I got tons and tons of questions on. And so today I went on and I looked up some stuff and I said, yes, I still remember what I'm doing. So um, this, you guys, this sounds so dry to a lot of people. But if you see some of the things going on in oregon right now this is probably one of the single biggest to me this is one of the single biggest things that we need to take care of we need to when every 10 years when they do the census you have to go in and the legislature redraws the boundaries the lines that tell you who represents you and um in the past It's my show. I'm going to say there has been a bit of gerrymandering. What gerrymandering is, is when you make it fairer for one side than you do for another party. And therefore, I would call that cheating. And therefore, what happens is things get out of balance. Well, what we need in Oregon is more balance. And part of the reason I would say that we are out of balance is because of how this has been done in the past. So what a group of people is doing and and actually a lot of them are legislators. <laughs> They're saying, get it out of our hands. Get this out of the hands of politicians and develop a commission that can, independent commission that can determine where those lines are and where they should be drawn. And we're gonna explain that to you, bring it to some legislators. Um, also, the co-chair of the Independent Party of Oregon. Um, and just so everyone knows that I'm being fair, yes, even Democrats are on board with this as well. We don't have someone here tonight, but we tried and we couldn't get anybody. So we have um, I'm going to bring everybody on. So, Shelley, um, I- I'm just going to let you guys introduce yourself. How's that? Shelley, why don't we start with you? Tell them who you are.
1: Perfect. Uh, thank you, Rick. Shelley Bossart Davis. I am the House uh, Representative, uh, the State Representative from House District 15, which is Albany, Tangent, and Millersburg, and the acres of farmland surrounding
2: it. Very happy to be here tonight. Thank you, Rick. And Christine. Yeah, I am also equally thrilled to be here tonight. I'm Christine Drazen. I am the House Republican leader and I'm also state representative for District 39. And for those that don't know their legislative districts, which is basically no one, I serve rural Clackamas County Uh, between sort of Canby up to Highway 212, all the way over to Estacada, and then a small little sliver of Marion County. And so we could talk about gerrymandering a little bit with my little district to bring in a small portion of Marion County unnecessarily and cross boundaries there. But this is such a critical issue. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to talk about a little bit more tonight. So thanks for having me, Rick. Oh,
0: you guys are welcome. And Drew, tell, talk talk about yourself a little bit there. Thanks, Rick. Uh, and thanks for
3: the opportunity to be here with you and Representative Art Davis and uh, Leader Drazen. Uh, my name is Drew Kaza, and I am co-chair of the Independent Party of Oregon. little plug for us. We're the biggest third party of uh, any third party in the U.S. Uh, I think we are up to about 130,000 members now. And uh, of course, we're all about uh, good government, and that's why this uh, redistricting process is, uh, is such a critical issue for us. So, uh, yeah, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for the opportunity,
0: yeah. Drew, I'd love to have you back sometime and talk about my even more favorite topic: is opening up the primary in Oregon. That's a good <laughs> one too. No, yeah. I'm a stinker when it comes to that one. I just can't let it go. It's like a booger on my finger. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so important. <laughs> to what we're doing here. You guys, I'm so happy to have you because I think people that understand this, understand how important this is, especially this year. So talk to me about um, this commission and kind of where we're at with that. Anybody can just pipe in.
1: Well, I'll jump on that one, Rick. I think that you started off by saying this is such a dry topic. And I think to a lot of people, they don't realize how valuable or how important this topic is. But really the legislators that people elect they need to fairly represent the communities that they serve. If they don't, then it then it's then it's something that really concerns every single person. You brought it up in your opening about the district that you live in. And if you don't feel like you're fairly represented, that you're loop that you're lumped in with a group of other people that maybe don't have the same common interests, then that's a big deal. And so politicians, if they're charged with drawing these lines, they have a absolute conflict of interest because they can choose to draw whatever lines that they want to keep them elected. And so that's the problem. It's a conflict of interest. And instead, people should choose their voters. Voters, you know, or people should be able to choose um who represents them and so that's why we're calling for an independent nonpartisan commission and i um, thrilled to be able to talk about it tonight
0: so uh, even like <clears throat> i'm going to take my district just for a second so let me read something to you guys i looked it up and the criteria for redistricting is <clears throat> i mean I'm, there's a whole bunch of them but all these would fit in, in the situation that i'm talking about my district here except for one it says not to divide Excuse me. Communities of common interest. And so I looked up the map for my district and I live in Camp Creek, which is out in the country and Marcola and um, some of the McKinsey Valley. These are farm people. They're loggers. um, And then there's people like me. But we are connected with the University of Oregon and South Eugene. And while I have friends in South Eugene, I have friends who teach at South Eugene or at, at the University of Oregon, we probably don't have that common interest and in, in the same political beliefs. And even recently, I think one of our legislators who covers this area, one of our senators actually brought that up about my district. Isn't that true in a public hearing?
1: Yeah, it it actually is true. It was the representative from the district that you're speaking to and um, talked about how that particular district did not keep communities of common interest together. So it was very simple. You can look at um, the map, but it's not so much the lines that the maps drawn. Obviously a lot of these districts look funny, but it's actually the voters in that district that matter.
0: So um, Christine, Representative Drazen, talk to me about your concern, like where you live in Portland area, how there's, The the maps are drawn so that they end up getting big districts into these spiked wheels where all of a sudden you've got rural areas connected to urban areas and they they think differently. These are different representation.
2: Yeah. So in my area in particular, um, at this moment, I am the last Republican member of the House with my district wholly in the Tri-County area. That makes you believe that there are no more Republicans left in Clackamas, Multnomah, or Washington counties. Those three counties are represented in the House at least by Democrats. All of them. If you live in those communities, you are represented by a Democrat right now. And so when you when you you only achieve that through gerrymandering of districts by pulling people into deep Portland centric parts of our state. And so um, so for my district in particular, um, my district does nice traditional things like follows school district boundaries, and then it does less traditional things and and it jumps a highway here and it jumps a highway there and it jogs up really high and grabs a couple of neighborhoods here and there. And what they've done for, um, for my district is that is that they have taken all these other districts and made them deep democrat districts and then they left one final republican district in all of the tri-county area and i'm not complaining i'm a republican but the truth of the matter is for all those other districts out there how they drew those lines you know connecting sandy all the way into uh, portions of multnomah county those are not necessarily communities of common interest, and so as we're trying to balance out these population centers, one of the flags for us has to be: Are we creating districts where the legislator, in fact, can represent, can accurately and fully represent the interests of those communities that we're drawing those lines around? And and you can take a look at the numbers inside the legislature, and you can see that that can't possibly be true. Um, you know, we have we have the independent party of Oregon here with us today, non-affiliated voters in the independent party of Oregon in some of our districts are a substantial number of our voters. And somehow we've drawn these lines so that Republicans and, and Democrats in particular, um, you weight it heavily to the Democrat side of the aisle and you end up, no matter what the numbers look like for Republican or non-affiliated voters, you end up having a Democrat representation. And
0: You have Democrats on your commission calling for this yes. committee, calling yes. for same thing we just couldn't get anybody on tonight but you do have mm-hmm. democrats that are saying we we got to get this commission set up to get this thing out of the hands of the political it's it, it's just yeah. it has to be done well, well we have
2: single party control in our state which means that oregon is so much more likely to be gerrymandered than other states with a more balanced political kind of dynamic going into this process
0: so drew talk to me from the independent party of oregon what mm-hmm. your concerns
3: Yeah, well, what what I wanted to mention to you was, uh, you know, this this actually has a huge amount of public support, and were it not for COVID, uh, it's very likely we would have this independent commission uh, in place already, because there is a group of us, a a, a group called People Not Politicians, and folks can go look at that uh, website, People Not Politicians Oregon. Um, that were working on getting this ballot measure together last year when COVID struck. And uh, it, it ended up being a court case, um, unfortunately, I think um, adjudicated somewhat uh, partisanly by the uh, Attorney General of Oregon, who ended up appealing the case to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the uh, effect of that was the, the uh, signatures that we had were, were stopped short of, of making it to the ballot uh, for, sorry. Don't worry uh, about it. For for uh, November. However, during the course of, of gathering these signatures, we did polling, Rick, and close to 70% of Oregonians uh, agree that this is a good idea. So we were quite confident, but got on the ballot in November, it would have passed and we would be doing independent redistricting mm-hmm. now. So uh, I think the legislature needs to pay attention to what the people uh, believe about this process. And the people are not stupid. They can see that having uh, the foxes guard the hen house uh, is inherently problematic. For democracy. Okay. Uh, from the independent party's perspective, just to touch on your point about primaries, <clears throat> I think one of the keys that we see uh, today in, in a, the way we're governing is that uh, because we have these gerrymandered districts that are safe districts, either for Democrats or Republicans, it drives the parties uh, to their extremes. And I'm happy to say, uh, I think, notable exception of our two guests today, but there are extremes with both sides of the parties now in Oregon because. That's what happens when you have a, a primary driven process. Instead of having any competitive general elections, there's nobody uh, fighting over the middle anymore. Um, right. I, I think we need to see that again to get back to the Oregon we knew in the 70s and 80s when consensus was being formed. We had liberal Republicans. We had conservative Democrats that came together and did things uh, back in those days. And now it's one party rule, as, as Christine said. Can't can't agree with her more on that.
0: Yeah, a couple of really great senators in Oregon history, Senator Mark Hatfield and Senator Wayne Morse. Uh, Wayne Morse, as a Democrat, supported Hatfield because they both disagreed with the Vietnam War when it was unpopular to agree to disagree. 70 percent of Oregonians wanted the, were supportive of the war. And those two guys did that and they would never have survived today. Hatfield yeah. said that in an interview that I had with them. They yeah. would never have su- su- survived today because it's because we've allowed Oregon to become this. And see, and I see this, this gerrymandering as a key to Oregonians standing up and saying, okay, we don't know what's causing this, but this is an this is an area we can do something about. Mm-hmm. And we can get this out of the hands of them. I think this is a super smart move on your guys' part. and. Um, so talk to me, because right now, and, and for people, because we didn't, I didn't explain this, every 10 years, you have to do this. You redraw the line. So you wait for the, the census to come out, and then you see what areas have grown, and then you can redraw those lines if they need to be redrawn. What concerns me is I'm also reading some things where our current Secretary of State is pushing the process ahead, saying, well, let's get Portland State to do this populist study, and we'll get this thing pushed through and get this done. And that concerns me because why are we, shouldn't we do the census and then kind of let this thing, this process go and try to set up this commission to do it fairly. I don't understand what the hurry is.
2: is It's power.
1: power. Exactly. (laughs) It's absolutely power. But going back to the conflict of interest that you spoke about so it's a conflict of interest for politicians to do this but i want i wanted to mention some numbers because i think that that resonates with people and we talk about this being a one party rule and a very blue state but i would i would like to just do a few percentages and a few statistics to say it's much more purple than people think so right now in the house of representatives and the senate democrats make up about 61% of the legislative body Okay, Um, But in 2018, in the governor race, um, the governor uh, won with only 50.1% of the vote, okay? And then as recently as 2016, a Republican won a statewide office with 47% of the vote for secretary of state. So you can just look at some of those numbers to say, if you look at the statewide races, they're very close to 50%. And then you look at the legislative um and how that's made up and you're looking at 61 percent of the legislative body and um it leads it open to the possibility of gerrymandering um more than any other time in fact axios just reported just a few days ago that it ranked oregon as a high risk for election maps being rigged for partisan gain and we're the only state on the west coast that's not at a minimal or the lowest risk rating I'll point out that both Washington and California have processes for independent nonpartisan commissions. Um, Seriously? Really?
0: Yes. So both
1: Washington and California already do this? Yes. And Idaho. There's 26 states in the nation that um, already do this. That already do this. So why this is unbelievable. So it's we still, I mean, no offense, to you, I know you're
0: both legislators and that's what I'm going to pick on you. You're both politicians, but I don't trust anybody to draw my lines for me if they're if it's going to be like, you know what I mean? I wouldn't, like, want, that just I means we, I wouldn't want that responsibility. I wouldn't want that, yeah. that to look like that. Well, that, Rick,
2: that just bad. means you're common sense Oregonian. I mean, what you're saying is what everybody should say. Mm-hmm. Everybody in Oregon right now should say, we don't want our politicians drawing these lines that we would rather entrust this to an independent nonpartisan commission. So what you're saying is absolutely true. The challenge for us is going to be, because they weren't able to get on the ballot because of COVID, we're in this process where we're saying, let's do the right thing right now. This should be a bipartisan bill moving forward. Uh, the leadership on the Democrat side of the aisle should embrace this opportunity to restore trust in our elections for those folks that might feel faltering right now. We're, we're in kind of some tough spot right now as far as, you know, people's trust in, in in our ability to govern well together. Let's like let's clean the slate. Let's go with a nonpartisan independent commission. Let's do it together. But so what would that take to do that
0: in terms of it? would take get-
2: political pressure, political pressure, my friends.
0: So the bill, this House bill, has to go through this traditional
2: process, yes.
0: And if that doesn't happen, then what are we left with? A mess. (laughs) Because at this point, uh, although the the
3: Secretary of State is angling to do one thing, uh, the the Constitution says something else. It's important to note, we're not going to meet any of the constitutional deadlines that Oregon has set out. The, 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 The Census has already mucked that up. So Mm -hmm. from our perspective, I think speaking for all of us, this gives us an outstanding opportunity right now, Rick. COVID has actually given us an opportunity to do the right thing and make sure that it's not basically hijacked uh, by a partisan secretary of state uh, or or handed off in some fashion to to the courts down the road, which is supposed to be the last backstop under the uh, existing process. Um, the, The legislature is gonna be asking for these numbers way late anyway, um, so, we still have time to get it right between now and the end of the year. I think if we act soon, if we act on uh, Leader Drazen's bill in the House, uh, there are hearings going on across Oregon to, to for people to let their voices be known. I think we can talk about that as we go along, so some of the people on can uh, take part in that weekend. Uh, and we can let the legislators know that this is the process that, that we need to go through, rather than Uh, the mess that we're going to have on our hands if we don't take this step. It's really unclear who's going to set these lines if we don't put the independent commission in place. So
0: what's the House bill? People are asking me. What's the number?
2: It's
1: It's, it's HJR7, um, uh, Leader Drazen, it's her bill, and um, she's fantastic in in lining out kind of what that process looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'll uh, give that to her. But I will say that I have reached out to um, just in the last few days, to many of these organizations uh, across the spectrum from the Independent Party to League of Women Voters to um, uh, Common Cause to Oregon Farm Bureau. I mean, it's a slice of Oregon reaching out to them and say, what would you like to see in an independent nonpartisan commission? Um, we're able to amend that HJR seven and um, Christine explained that and kind of what the process would look like in that timeline, because like Drew just said, we have the opportunity because of COVID. Not often can we say that, but we have the opportunity to do the right thing that COVID has actually granted us.
0: And one thing before um, you talk about that, cause I was reading online, and it looks like the Secretary of State is really just, I want people to understand, is pushing this through, trying to get Portland State to do a population study, which uh, that's not the census, right? No. So no, to do, I'm going to say this, is to go around the census process, mm-hmm. have Portland State do this, which is not the way it's done. Mm-hmm. And then we can get it pushed through by July or July 15th or June 15th or something like that. Um, and so for some reason, there seems to be a hurry on her part. And um, if you as Oregonians feel like that, you're in a hurry for this to happen, and you want to circumvent the process, I guess, then that's, that's the message. But I want you to know that's kind of what's going on behind the scenes. And so we're trying to get your support, I am, um, you know, to, to get get this out of the hands of the politicians. And yes, the Secretary of State is also a politician. Um, so a three,
3: three, three words for you here. And I'm going to be, I'm going to allow the the ladies to be diplomatic about it. I won't be so diplomatic. Three words, naked power grab.
0: (laughs) That's what's going on. explain explain your three naked words
3: there. (laughs) Well, it's, it's pretty clear. You know, she she's in a vacuum, you know, uh, things will flow. Uh, and, and there is a vacuum of sorts right now because of the issue we talked about with the Constitution. So she, again, she's trying to go around that. As you say, she is a is a partisan uh, player, fairly yes. new to her job, of course, as most of us know. Uh, yes. but I think uh, there are some people that would be very happy if she could just take the reins of this thing and, and go and do as she pleases with it. So that's that's what you see going on, but it's clearly not in the interest of a vast majority of Oregonians. So
0: I think people should be upset. People should know about that and be upset. So Tanya wants to know who pays for the independent redistribution. You can read that, yeah. Christine. can you ask yeah. your advice?
2: I'll jump in there. So uh, like any other piece of legislation, this will go through our legislative process. So right now, this bill is in rules. So uh, the chair of the rules committee is my counterpart, the majority leader uh, Barbara Smith Warner is her name as she is a representative from Portland. And she has not agreed to have a public hearing on this bill rules gets to operate all session long. So at any moment she can change her mind. We can apply public pressure and get this bill moving. It would go from rules down into our ways and means process where we would do an analysis of what it would cost to operate this redistricting commission. Now, we can also get information. As we mentioned, 26 other states have these commissions. So we will have a good sense of what the cost, what the cost would be. In most cases, if our, if our commissions are appointed and they are volunteers, the cost of operating them from that basis, you don't pay your commissioners to do this work. They're volunteers, they get per diem, you know, they get, they get the, they get their mileage reimbursed and then you have staffing costs. So the bulk of the cost for this, in fact, would be staff to be able to provide staff support for the independent commission. And so who the picked,
0: part who of it, them. I'm sorry, the, who them?
2: and so the general fund uh, would, would cover the cost of the redistricting commission. It would be a part of our balanced budget. The state's required to have a balanced budget every cycle. It would be a part of that process.
0: And who picks the commission members?
2: Oh, thank you. Um. So. Um. So right now, the the measure is actually fashioned after uh, people, uh, not politicians. And so I would. Drew can run through some of the details oh. if you'd like to on that one.
0: Yeah, juice. Well, we they took the process out of the hands of the politicians. I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. They. They.
3: Uh, as the measure was planned, the uh, you'd have uh, administrative law judges that would be in a position to. Uh, put together this this uh, commission, um, and the the original uh, plan for that was to have four members that would be uh, Republican, four Democrat, and four nonpartisan or third party members of of the commission. Um, obviously, it's all subject to change with the bill uh, that's that's in place. And again, uh, we're, you know, public input on this could could uh, uh, influence it one direction or another. But that's the way it was originally envisioned uh, that you'd have uh, basically uh, independent. Uh, uh, administrative law judges that would pour through uh, what would be, uh, we assume, hundreds of people that want to serve in this capacity. So yeah. uh, the sooner we get on that, the better. But one of the keys is that people would have to declare interest. You couldn't have anybody that's been a lobbyist or has been in office uh, or, uh, you know, that sort of thing as, as members of this commission.
0: So, so could like a, a washed up Secretary of State candidate who lost <laughs> be on that I mean, if, if the okay. answer wanted to throw his name in there, I mean, would he get, you know, and do I have a chance, a shot? We're gonna have to expect, we're gonna have to inspect
3: your Twitter feed first, sir, but you know, I wouldn't <laughs> oh,
0: Well, never mind. I'm done. That's over, I can't do it. Um, it's gone. Through. So what's Tony, Tony wants to know, what's the time frame for the process?
2: So as it relates to the portion that's legislative, uh, we have a couple of options here. Uh, the resolution would need to go to the people for a vote, and if we can get that moved through the process, that would occur. It couldn't. It could occur. Could come before Oregonians as soon as September, so we have the opportunity to put it in front of them in September, and um, and in the meantime, we could pass a complementary piece of legislation, which would take kind of the guts of the of the proposal, and begin the process of the appointments, and then it would all be effective and operational upon passage. And so if people vote yes, and this is what they want to see, and we believe very strongly that they would, we would actually be up and ready to go at that point.
0: Representative Boshart, tell me, you were saying there were some other kind of famous Democrats who've come out. And uh, we were talking prior to the broadcast um, that we need that states need to have independent commissions, even people such as.
1: Yeah, well, We're at high risk of gerrymandering, right? And so we're in good company. It's bipartisan support. And I know the names, but we're looking at uh, former President Barack Obama, uh, Eric Holder, uh, Senator Raphael Warnock, um, Ronald Reagan is quoted as um, wanting to put forth uh, not just legislation, but this idea of not gerrymandering and having a process to not have a gerrymandered process that but ultimately voters should choose their politicians, not the other way around. So again, this is across the spectrum. This is what the people want. Um, And to Drew's point, when um, he quoted some numbers as far as what Oregonians want, um, it's very simple. The only people that don't want this are the ones that are in power. The politicians in power are the only ones that wanted this. Um, I will mention that um, late Dennis Richardson, when he was secretary of state, he saw this, he knew that as secretary of state, this possibly could fall to him. And he didn't want the responsibility. As a Republican, he didn't want the responsibility of that. And so he put forth a task force of everybody, uh, multiple Republicans, Democrats, um, the Progressive Party, the Libertarian Party, the League of Women Voters, the Independent Party. I mean, the list goes on. And they came back with a proposal to the legislature and said, you need to do an independent nonpartisan commission. And so he said this back in 2017, he foresaw this happening. um, And that particular piece of legislation also didn't get a hearing and it was the same people in power. Um, It's very obvious. We know this is what's happening. The court of public opinion is going to have to win this battle for us to have fair lines drawn this year.
3: Hey, Rick, so- if I can, I just want to add to, to what Representative Bostard Davis is saying. Bringing it home uh, for a second, as far as the Democrats are concerned, there's a couple names folks in the uh, in Washington County in particular will recognize. Uh, uh, former Rep. Uh, Jeff Barker endorses mm-hmm. this. Uh, of course, he just retired a couple of years ago. And somebody going back to uh, the golden era you and I were referring to earlier, uh, former Representative uh, Congressman Les coin also yeah. Is a proponent
0: of, uh, of having an independent commission for redistricting. He's a fellow boxer from Pacific University.
3: There you go. There you go. You guys so have, have, the Peggy, you have
0: the best yeah, eyesight. Yeah, you know, that or physical therapy. Um, Peggy Rush says, How successful could Fagan's lawsuit be?
2: Mm. You know, so we Fag-
0: didn't explain, we didn't talk about that, but Peggy's obviously in the know. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, Representative Drazen will t- could speak probably to the lawsuit itself a little bit. But I will say that we are in, an. Un- I hate saying the word unprecedented because I swear it's overused this year, but we truly, that's what we're living in. This is not something that the Constitution could have foresaw. Um, and so I don't know if I can speak to whether it will be successful or not. The courts have uh, currently right now a heavy responsibility to say, we know that we're not gonna get the census data. Um, We're not gonna be able to fulfill the um, requirements of the Oregon constitution, so now what? And so that's um, something that we can't answer or we don't know. And so, which again, puts me back to the need for this. Again, it's an opportunity that we have never had before. It makes sense, it makes sense for Oregonians and they want it, let's do it.
0: So Tanya Fagan, no relation. She says, by the way, <laughs> um, I thought the Constitution <laughs> mandated redistricting by a certain date, or it defaults to the Secretary of State, and that. But the, but the Supreme Court may be pushing that, l- allowing because of COVID. Explain how that process works, so people understand where we're at with that.
1: Yeah. Any- no- Yeah, normal year, 10 years ago, we would have received the census data in February. And so 10 years ago, when they drew the lines, they received that census data in February. And then by the Constitution, they had until July 1st to draw those lines. If the legislature fails to do so, then that responsibility falls to, per the Constitution, the Secretary of State by August 15th. What's crazy about this year is we're not going to receive the census data until after both of those dates. That's why we're in this you know, unprecedented situation that the Constitution didn't foresee. And so those are the dates that I think that are important. Census data doesn't come until after both the legislature requirement and the Secretary of State's requirement, which is why we're, we're talking tonight.
0: Right. So if you can't get that census data, <clears throat> how are you going to get this information? And getting Portland State to do it is not constitutional. That's not the way it's set up.
2: Well, yeah. and then the serve Oregonians. That's the thing, is we need to, if we're going to have good lines that serve communities of common interest, if we're going to have fair lines drawn, we need to have the real data. And there is absolutely no basis for Oregon to suddenly decide that PSU data is good enough for Oregonians. It's not. And we should do everything that we can to be ready with a, with a nonpartisan uh, independent commission to allow them to step in once that data is available and hit the ground running and get these lines run right away. The lawsuit that's out there right now, it's interesting. If you talk to the governor um, at all, and I occasionally have that opportunity, she is, she is fond of recognizing that she has appointed more judges than any governor in Oregon's history and she has a personally appointed more than 50 percent of the supreme court so i don't know how the lawsuit's going to turn out i saw a question pop up saying you know how's that lawsuit going to work out i really have no idea but i i don't i don't necessarily um think that that's a court that's been in place for super long they certainly haven't they it's unlikely that they've seen any other redistricting cases in front of them if uh, more than half of them have been appointed during the governor's tenure
0: so what do people do now? So now I've got my audience out here they've heard this they've heard this. So what do they do to get involved? And I mean we this is about polit- this is about populist pressure. Now the population mm-hmm. has to put pressure on um the, the the legislature and the governor and the secretary of state to to that this is what we if this is what we want. If you don't want this then, then you you put the pressure on that you don't want this. But if you want this and you see this as something you want, this is the time, uh, to, you know, to, to <laughs> I won't use my mom's saying, but get get off the pot. I mean, you have to do something at this point, right? Fisher so, cut bait. That works in your part of the state.
3: There cut, you go. I'm on
0: the McKinsey. <laughs>
1: what what we do now will affect the next ten years of voting. Here in this state, mm-hmm. it's it's really truly that important. Um, I think overall. I talk about uh, being aware of what's going on, uh, making sure that you you have a relationship that you know who your representative and who your senator are. It's, it goes to that being aware of what's going on around you. But specifically, contact your legislator. Let them know that you support an independent nonpartisan commission. I'm hoping that there are five hundred thousand people that are going to watch this, Rick. I'm counting on you. Um, and, it, and so I want five hundred thousand emails to go to their legislator and if you're one of those people that say i am embarrassed and i don't know who my legislator is literally you can google find my legislator oregon Mm -hmm. and you go to a screen and you put in your address and it will tell you who it is and so and and then the contact is right there and you Mm -hmm. send an email and i will receive that email and i will be able to say holy cow i just got two thousand emails that say Um, I want this. I'm going to send them all to the chair of the Rules Committee that um, Representative Drazen pointed out is Representative Barbara Smith-Warner, who has that ability to hear HJR7 and let's have a conversation and let's um, talk about the pros and cons. That's what we do here in Oregon, and that's what a democracy does. So contact your legislator, find your legislator, send an email, tell them that you support an independent nonpartisan commission.
0: Nancy, thanks for being brave to ask that question, because a lot of people don't know, and they're not going to ask and be brave like you are. Legislator is, there's a House of Representatives in Oregon, a State House of Representatives, and there's also the State Senate. So you have a Senator, and you also have House of Representatives representation. But this also includes congressional seats, not Senate, national congressional seats. So there's five of them in Oregon. And this also these redrawing of these lines affect those as well, not the Senate, but because we have two senators from Oregon, but in the House of Representatives nationally, we have five. So this affects how that's done as well. And a lot of people we were talking earlier on the coast, um, a lot of the representation from the coast is also connected to the valley. I know people who live on the coast and they are, they think completely differently than the people that think in the valley. So you folks need to understand that you have little grabs that are going into, there's a district on the coast that goes all the way to your district, right? All the way up near Mount Hood, the same district as that. Yeah, that's I mean, that's a big stretch of people. So you guys, you need to be aware. So what I did today is just go on. You can look up Oregon legislature and look at the district maps and then you can just zoom in on it. And that's what I did. And I went my jaw dropped when I saw University of Oregon and Camp Creek and Marcola in the same place. You need to look at those and see who you're connected to, because you probably don't even know. But guess what? I didn't either. So don't be ashamed educate yourself, and then get involved in this process. I wanna ask each of you one more thing and you can throw your own comment in here too, but um, it's kind of a weird little thing I'm gonna do, but um, what is your hope? What is your hope? Not just about this, but for Oregon. What is your hope for Oregon?
1: Wow, okay, well, I'll jump in there. And so um, for me, like like I just said, this affects the next 10 years. So my hope for Oregon is balance. Um, I spoke on the house floor literally today about a bill that has nothing to do with this, but it was about a bill that took away legislative oversight to the um, Department of Energy. So why would we do that? I am for a checks and balances of systems. I am for um, balance in general. And I think that that's where, what it boils down to Um, there's a checks and balances uh, uh, for a reason. And if we can get closer to balance, a balance of ideas, a balance of um, listening to all voices across Oregon, that's my hope. That's my goal. Um, Having somebody else, not politicians draw the lines will get us closer to that goal.
0: Go ahead. Anybody, either one of you, go for it. Leave it or should I go?
3: You, want to
2: you, should do that? you should All go. You
3: should go. All I can right. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take the cleanup spot here. Um, well, it, my hope for Oregon, I, I've i had a slogan in my head for years that I would run on if I ever ran for office again, Rick. And I, I hope somebody runs on it and then delivers it. And it is four words. We are one Oregon.
2: Yeah.
0: And I'd like us to get
3: back to that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the divisions in this state are just so unfortunate. And um, they're self-inflicted you know, and this, this process is part of that. Um, and so that's why at the Independent Party of Oregon, we're interested in good government, whether it's redistricting, whether it's campaign finance reform, um, you know, whether it's, it's uh, tighter ethics uh, uh, laws, whether it's more transparency in government, all those things I think are important to get us to where uh, Oregonians can have trust in their government again, and we can forge consensus easier. But I did want to touch on your congressional point for a second, two, two things to say about that. One is, uh, I don't think people should be Uh, flooding their congressional office about this issue. It's not going to be settled in D.C. It's going to be settled in Salem uh, or in the courts. Uh, So don't don't, uh, bother the congressional office. But we are going to get more than likely a sixth congressional seat, which makes this all the more pressing that we get this right for the next 10 years. And to your point about representation on the coast, trivia question for you. When was the last time we had a congressman from the Oregon coast? Do you know? Uh Uh-uh, I don't. Uh, Almost 50 years. So the uh, the last one was Wendell Wyatt from Astoria and he was beaten by a young man named Lester (laughs) Coyne. So Mm. it all comes around again.
2: So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, uh, I'm gonna, I guess wrap up that question. I'm gonna start by saying very specifically, if folks are looking for who to contact in addition to their legislators, the chair of the House Rules Committee is the one who's making the decision today not to schedule this bill. So her email address is rep dot barbara smith warner at oregonlegislature So it's uncomplicated. Reach out to her directly and ask for this bill to be heard, and we can get public input on what changes would be recommended and how we could move forward with this. And as far as my hope for Oregon, it's um, an incredible opportunity and privilege to serve in this building. I. I every single day, I'm amazed at the at the fact that I get to come here and I get to stand in the gap for people and I get to be a voice for those who don't have power, might be extraordinarily busy in their lives, might not always know some of the finer details of the legislation that's in front of us. And we get to do our absolute best to cast our votes to serve to serve our state and to serve our people. And my hope for our people and this state is that we will begin to uh, remember that our work here has to help. We're not here to advance a partisan agenda. We are, we're not here for personal pet projects. We're not, we're not here to, to pound our chest and, and beat the desk and just vote no for no good reason. We're also not here to vote yes because somebody expects us to. We're here to weigh in the balance what best serves and helps people. And the more that we can remember that, regardless of party, the more that we can begin to look across the aisle and we can see fellow Oregonians and not just simply see Republican, Democrat, independent. Instead, we will see people in common cause that care about helping each other and finding a way to do that through political means, do it in your local community, through local service organizations, but to just remember that what we need right now, more than anything else, is to is to look out for the other guy and to do our best to help people.
0: So, you know, what's funny is, um, Peggy, I have to call you out. I, I've got the number we have. Andrew, you are awesome. I was just thinking in my head, I'm going to call Andrew and have and put that on the, on the screen in the comments, but you're very efficient. Uh, Sarah Duncan is right. Um, but Peggy, <laughs> one of my viewers, she says this, here's what, because you said to write him. She says, I'll be nice because I always <laughs> tell people, do not write nasty letters. Nice. nobody reads them. So you get on there and go, listen, damn it. I want you to, and nobody's going to read it. So get on and be nice. So now I've got, Peggy. I got you trained. I mean, That's you're true. actually repeating my comments about be kind, be nice and be firm because you can be firm and be mm-hmm. kind. So Absolutely. You need to be firm and let people know what they do, what you, what you want done. Um, thank you um, representative Jason for responding to my emails, even though I'm not uh-huh. in your dinner. And Brian says, please do a show on precinct committee persons. Hmm. It's very important regardless of party. But Brian, I got to warn you, if I do that story, I'm also going to do the story on why am I as a taxpayer paying for your precinct elections? And so it goes both ways. I don't think I should be paying for your precinct party business when I don't get to participate. And that's taxation without representation. But that's another show. Anyway. (laughs) You guys, thank you so much. This is way more fun than I even anticipated. Um, you make me so tempted to want to run for something, but oh, I'm gonna back away from you so fast. <laughs> 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 no, no, perfect. no. no. <laughs> <laughs> no I love it. But thank you for being honest and talking with us. And again, you guys, this is not a partisan issue. This is our issue. This is Oregon. You know. So thank you very much. I'm going to close out here a little bit. You guys have all your staff share this on your pages to other um, representatives and stuff so they can push it out. So people because we got friends in Rome, Oregon, we got friends in Jordan Valley, Harney County, all kinds of places. And they all need to hear this because there's the voiceless people of Oregon, the yeah. super voiceless, um, you know, Burns, Oregon. Nobody's listening to that. So anyway, I thank you for what you do. Thanks, my man, at the Independent Party. I love what you guys are doing. And keep speaking out and, and doing our thing. And uh, if you come up with something else you want me to do, just give me a call. I'm, you know, that was a fun night. Thank you very okay. much. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. No, Yo, you betcha. All right, you guys. So um, I want to thank John Highland Construction because John called me up and said, Rick, I don't need any promotion, but I want to support what you're doing because I love that you're, you're you're a voice for people that you're doing this. So he pays for a show and he's not even looking for benefit from it. That's Oregon. So, you guys, what did we learn here tonight? It's our state. It is our state. No matter what they tell us, we are Oregon. I'm a native. I was born here. But you know what? If you moved here, even from California, and you chose Oregon as your home, you too are an Oregonian. But what we have to do in this state is start working together. We have to stop yelling and we have to stop going, well, he's a Democrat, he's a Republican, she's an independent, they're a progressive party, they're the family party of Oregon. We are all one state. And so we need to start acting like that and working together and stop yelling. But we also, God, you guys, we cannot have a supermajority. I don't want a supermajority of Republicans. I don't want a supermajority of independents. I don't want a supermajority of Democrats. And that's what we have right now. And so we have no power because we've given that away. So if you're apathetic, get off the boat. We can't have apathy anymore. We've done this for too long. And now it's time for people to get involved. So you saw the number from Barbara, for Barbara. Just write a quick little note that just says, I want this heard. I want my voice heard. I want this bill heard. And that's all you have to write. And 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 share that with your friends on your on your email. You can bitch and moan and yell and write things on Facebook and Instagram and and all kinds. Of, it doesn't do anything this is what button your this is your power so we're giving you an opportunity to use your power so go use your power all right I'm Rick Dancer. This is Get Real with Rick Dancer. Tomorrow night, we're hoping to have Donna Reem, the lone survivor from the Dairy Mart murders uh, 27 years ago. Um, she survived. She's a friend. She is not feeling well today, so we're hoping to get her on. If she doesn't come on, we'll do something else. Um, we'll find something for you, but I'm hoping that she will make it. Um, it'll be a profound night. Uh, and again, John Highland Construction, thank you so much for trusting me and uh, and just supporting us because You like what we do that's what we're looking for all right share this on your page also because facebook's really rude and they just kind of you know as if they hear something they don't think they like then they don't put it out there so take this and share it on your page and we can kick their butt too it's it's all about getting in the game
2: get in the game